Welcome to the ABCs to live your dope life. This is an opportunity to be a fly on the wall while I engage with some of the most fascinating, inspiring, and brilliant people I know who have played a direct or indirect role in my own healing and continued growth process. The change process is not easy, comfortable, or nearly as fast as so many of us wish it would be. And my hope with this podcast is to instill some playfulness, simple tools to practice, and ultimately, a place for you to recognize that you are not alone. A dope life is one that is aligned with who you truly desire to be, and a congruency between what is deep beneath the surface and what shows above the surface. It's the real, the raw, the complexities of our light and our shadows. The only thing that is ever truly in your way is you. Join me on this journey as we continue to grow stronger together. It's time to live your dope life. All right. So welcome, Nora Maskey. I am really excited to have you on the podcast. And as you just mentioned, this is your first ever podcast interview. It is. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, I'm honored to have you here. Uh, I love being your first. This is really exciting for me. (laughs) Uh, This being the ABCs to live your dope life, we are on letter B. And so um, today, as I mentioned, uh, we are going to focus in on balance and body. So obviously that's a a very big topic. We can go in many different directions, uh, but we'll see what happens. All right. Right. So um, before we even get into, you know, more details on who you are and how we know each other, Mm -hmm. I would love to just ask you the question of what is in your heart today? What is in my heart today? And I'll, I'll just mention, I the question is, what is on your heart today? But when I mentioned that to Nora, she said, why on and not in? <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. good question. So um, I actually am curious, how would you answer it differently? What is on your heart today versus what is in your heart today? Mm, yeah, for what is on my heart feels more like what is weighing me down. Mm. And what is in my heart is what is desiring to be expressed. Beautiful. Mm. I want to hear both. What is on your heart and what is in your heart today? In what order? <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with what's heavy. So what's on mm-hmm. your heart? And then we can move into the desire of what's in your heart. Mm. Well, perhaps fitting in with um, the letter B uh, around body and balance, Um, I'm having some physical challenges in my body Mm -hmm. that are weighing on my heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some of them are just how I am in the world, how how my body is in the world, and some are related to aging. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll definitely dive deeper into that today. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then what is in my heart is... Um, well, a couple of things. Um, one of them is empathy, mm-hmm. and the other is vulnerability. Okay. So the vulnerability piece is saying yes to my first podcast. Yes, yeah, <laughs> feeling a little raw, a little nervous. Um, I am. Yeah. And I'm also, um, I guess, part of that is. Um, 
um, I like that the word heart in French is cour. And so um, to be in my heart is to be courageous and to open up to that feeling of vulnerability so that I can live more fully and mm -hmm. experience more things. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful for this experience. Thank you. Amazing. And what about the empathy piece? What's, what's coming up for you there? As I move through my life and interact with others uh, in the seat of being a yoga teacher and movement coach, mm. um, I really do have empathy for uh, what people bring when they show up um, either in a coaching session or uh, in a yoga class or a private session mm. uh, with me. And that empathy um, serves me mm -hmm. so that I can serve them. Mm. I like that. Awesome. I like that you uh, mentioned that you're a movement coach. I haven't heard you refer to yourself with that label or title before. Mm. It's, it's part of my growth process. Yes. Yeah. Stepping into a larger container. And mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to mm -hmm. hear that. Mm, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so um, I I would love to get into our history before okay. we move into your history. Okay. Uh, I'm curious to hear what you recall as whether it's our first interaction or the first time we met or what do, what do you remember? I remember meeting you in 2015 mm -hmm. as part of a foundation's 200-hour yoga teacher training program. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, you made an impression. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you continue to. Yeah. Um, I appreciated and continue to appreciate your, um, your energy, how you present in the world. Mm. Um, and um, uh, how focused you are mm. you seem to have a sense of purpose that I really admire mm. thank you and I also really appreciated your curiosity the mm. curiosity you had as uh, a member of that teacher training group mm -hmm. and then you brought a lot to the group mm. yeah, yeah that was um, a very juicy time yeah <laughs> I remember a lot of that you know it's funny my um my first memory of you is a little bit before the 200-hour training. Okay. Because uh, I knew Alice Hong, mm -hmm. who is your partner in the training. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had just stepped out of, I think this was around the same time when I was leaving Lululemon. And mm -hmm. Alice was one of our yoga ambassadors at the mm -hmm. store. And she mentioned she was running this yoga teacher training with you. And I had never met you before. And so I found where you were teaching and I, I already loved Alice, and so I, I said, like, I'm in as long as I love this Nora lady. <laughs> and I remember coming to your class, and it was at the Inspired Yoga Institute when you had the studio space on 17th Ave. And it was within the first couple of minutes in your class where I was like, yep, yeah, I'm in. I just, uh, I loved, I still love, um, just, it's like this geeky, passionate, knowledgeable present energy that you have and i i knew like i said in, within the first couple of minutes that i wanted i wanted to learn from you i knew you had a lot of depth and a lot to share and uh so it was in that moment that i committed to the training 
Mm. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, now I'm searching my memory banks. And yeah. like, I remember you being in the class. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I can't remember exactly how far be- before the training it was, but it was it was pretty close, I think, within a couple months or, mm-hmm. or weeks. So, mm-hmm. yes. Well, um, now let's get into your history. So your, your history as a body worker, as a yoga student, yoga teacher, anything that you feel compelled to share in terms of your narrative of of uh, how you got to where you are today. Okay, my narrative is long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I first stepped onto a yoga mat in 1987. Right, okay. So tell tell us about that. What was that stepping on the yoga mat about? Would, you know, what was going on in your life when you stepped onto the yoga mat for the first time? Mm. I was pregnant mm-hmm. with my son and um, I'd had complications and had been on bed rest and mm. was really restless. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I decided it, to get moving again. In fact, it was my sister-in-law who is a, a physician who said, at some point, you're just going to have to get up and start moving. Yeah. <laughs> and so I did. Yeah. And I couldn't keep doing what I was doing up to that point, which was running and circuit training. Mm -hmm. So a very dear friend of mine said, why don't you try this yoga thing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And in Calgary in 1987, there were very few places to find this yoga thing. Um, And so I did find my way to um, the Yoga Center of Calgary, which was long gone. Mm. Um, And that was the beginning. I knew right away that I was on to something that was supportive and healing for me, mm-hmm. and not just my body. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I was, uh, um, I guess I knew I was on the path that was right for me uh, because I was one of those nerds that um, went to class at least twice a week mm-hmm. and practiced at home every day. Mm. <laughs> So you were into it right away. I was into it. Yeah. 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 I still remember, um, you know, being third trimester with my son and still showing up, (laughs) doing what I could on the yoga mat. Mm. Yeah. Was was there much information of um, the prenatal yoga at that point? Like, were they giving you different instruction of what to be mindful of with a baby in your belly? Um, no, because okay. it was just yoga. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yoga has diversified so much um, since those first experiences that mm-hmm. I had. And it was just a regular class. Uh, and it was a community. And I still remember people like helping me do things mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was too big to be able to do them myself. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's like, you can't board fold here. Let me help you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, it was really supportive, and we just kind of stumbled our way along, mm. and it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was the beginning. Yeah. And um, a little bit further on, um, I was taking classes twice a week uh, on my lunchtime uh, when I worked at SAIT. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day, my teacher didn't show up. She slept through the class because she was studying for finals. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so we were all gathered, and I said, okay, I'll lead a practice. Mm. 
And so I did. I taught my first class <laughs> and without any training. Yeah. And that was um, like a huge leap. That was a quantum leap for me mm -hmm. um, because I realized that not only did I enjoy um, where my yoga journey was going, but I felt really good about taking other people along with me mm. and um, sharing it with them. And uh, and so when my my teacher came back, mm -hmm. she she's like, okay, you're gonna get to do teacher training now. Yeah. <laughs> so she essentially recommended that I take that next step. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so I started teacher training. Where did you do your first teacher training? At through the Yoga Center of Calgary. Okay. Yeah. And they're affiliated. It was a nonprofit organization affiliated with Yoga Association mm. of Alberta, which still exists. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And was that a 200 hour? Was that the way it was set up back then? Um, it was actually 300. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So and first training. It took me three years. Three years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you have two kids at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, a full-time job. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. It still took two or three classes a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. And started teaching as well. Yes. So I taught all the way through the program. Mm. Um, which I think was a real gift mm -hmm. because when I did certify as a teacher, I had no fear of teaching because yeah. I'd been doing it all along. Right. Yeah. And kind of put the cart in front of the horse. Yes. And I, I did it the same way. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does make it a lot easier to step into the teacher once mm -hmm. um, you've mm -hmm. practiced quite mm -hmm. a bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that was my, my first teacher training. Mm -hmm. I taught that class at SAIT for a couple of years after that, mm -hmm. after my teacher graduated um, from um, what was then um, ACAD, the mm. art college, it's now the university. Yeah, okay. And uh, when she left, I stayed on and I led the class for a couple of years mm. and then expanded from there. Okay. And you took a few more trainings? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. And did um, a 200-hour program with the Kirks from uh, Scottsdale, um, Martin and Jordan. And um, what kind of training is that one? That uh, was a 200 hour teacher training. And Martin is um, is an engineer. Okay. Uh, and at one time worked for NASA. And uh, so he's got a very scientific mind, mm -hmm. which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. And Jordan is an artist, and so she brought um, creativity and and a lot of heart to the program as well. And they were amazing co-teachers. Mm. So I did their two hundred hour. It reminds me a lot of you and Alice. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then I did. I completed my Anyasara um, certification. Mm -hmm. um, Gosh, I think that was 10 years ago now. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure it was 2010 yeah. when I completed. Mm. I'd have to look it up. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then since then, I have, I've done things like yin trainings, you know, the smaller yeah. um, continuing education trainings. And uh, just last year, I did a 300-hour uh, yoga biomechanics training uh, with Jules Mitchell in Las mm. Vegas. Mm. And it was a really wonderful experience yeah. and um, filled uh, my cup when it came to um, learning about a more scientific 
mm-hmm. approach to how we move uh, both on the yoga mat and off. Yeah. 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 It's all connected. It is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then in the interim between then and now, I also went to massage school and was a registered massage therapist and practiced for 17 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like that body work also informs who I am today mm-hmm. and, just, uh, and informs coming back to empathy, informs my empathy. Yeah. Uh, working so closely with people to um, help them uh, find a way out of pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chronic pain is a big one right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Wow. And you had a studio for a little while. I've ha- I had three studios. Right. I've so- moved around. <laughs> <laughs> right, I forgot. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, three different studios. Three different studios, And yeah. is that a direction you think you'll go in again? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I have a really... Um, nice relationship with journey yoga in calgary Mm -hmm. and um, we sublet space to run programs and that's currently the only studio that i teach out of i I feel like i'm making myself exclusive (laughs) yeah (laughs) less spreading around yeah yeah yeah. good um and it's it's a beautiful space and Mm -hmm. uh it's a really lovely community and i feel well supported there yeah that's good Mm -hmm. awesome and Mm -hmm. i know i'm stepping in well i guess this next training i'm doing with you is in your home yes yeah yeah Yeah. so uh, that's uh the little studio space you have in your home is something that as soon as i experienced or stepped in for the first time my my thought was oh i want one of these in my home (laughs) (laughs) it was purpose-built and i feel really uh, blessed to have it Mm -hmm. it's not huge Mm -hmm. um but it has what i need yeah and and, uh i'm more than what i need Mm -hmm. so i really i appreciate having that space and the privilege of being able to see clients there yeah and to run a training with a really intimate group Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm very excited for this next training Mm-hmm. I am as well. Yes. <laughs> Part of offering a training for me is to also um, learn for myself. Yeah. I learn from everyone who participates. We learn together, mm-hmm. um, and to um, and to share uh, some of the gems that I picked up um, over the last few years. Yeah. Um, I learned so much from uh, Jules Mitchell. And I also, in 2019, I certified um, through um, Katie Bowman's program, Restorative Exercise. Mm -hmm. So I have that as well that I bring to the plate and bring that I offer. Yeah. 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 The science of movement. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, you know, with with what you mentioned as well about the, um, the bodily issues that you've been having Mm -hmm. as of recently Mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit more about that what's what what you're going through what what you're what you're learning even what you've learned in the last courses that you've taken and how Mm -hmm. you're implementing that in Mm -hmm. your own healing process Mm -hmm. sure um well i will probably say the biggest issue that i have in this moment is a torn labrum in my right hip yes Mm -hmm. Um, and I am um, receiving some treatment for that um, through a doctor in Calgary I really uh, trust and admire. Mm-hmm. 
and um, so I'm getting prolotherapy and uh, and uh, just over a week ago I had what's called PRP mm -hmm. which is uh, platelet-rich plasma injected into my hip to oh. try and help heal it okay um, and I'm also seeing an excellent physiotherapist mm -hmm. and um, I'm moving my body mm -hmm. One of the teachers who was part of the 300-hour yoga biomechanics program, Greg Lyman, um, coined the phrase of being a move movement optimist. And mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. That when something goes amiss, um, rather than feeling that there's nothing I can do, I'm totally, I, I, I turn around and go the other way. What mm -hmm. can I do? And um, and I do it. Mm. So uh, even my family doctor uh, um, has mentioned that uh, that's, that's a characteristic, that rather than just resigning myself to something, mm -hmm. I look for a solution and I put the effort in to get better. Yes, yeah. And so I've modified my yoga practice mm -hmm. um, and uh, um, I try and move my body every single day yeah. in a way that serves me. Mm -hmm. So what, is, what does that look like at, at this point? With, with an injury, how has movement changed for you? Uh, well, um, I'm not on my bike, mm -hmm. which is a, another thing that I believe we share in common yes. because I did follow you to some spin classes. Yes. Um, so I'm not doing that right now because that does not feel supportive. Um, while my hip is healing. Okay. And is it correct that you, you're thinking that the injury was actually induced from from riding the bike? Yeah, yeah. I felt it actually um, when I got off up, um, the bike at a spin class. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Well, I just one of the things that comes up for me in, in this is the, you know, often when I've had little injuries after like a workout class or, you know, I'm off doing something and, and something tweaks and my, my husband will often you know make comments about like it's so ridiculous that you would go to a movement class and come home injured uh -huh. and I've really sat with that of you know there's some truth in that mm -hmm. but at the same time you know there's movements from in or injury from movement and then there's injury from stagnation mm -hmm. and of course we need to be mindful of not being extreme in, in either mm -hmm. one of those mm -hmm. but so often I've experienced the perception that um, injury from movement almost like creates um, an aversion to whether it's that particular movement or just movement in, in general as if some movement is not safe and and what I love from what you've already shared is that even though it was a movement induced injury your way of um, healing yourself is through movement mm -hmm. so this has not changed your relationship with movement no whatsoever if right. anything I um, feel more committed yeah. to moving yeah okay yeah hmm. yeah yeah so when it comes to the healing process for you in terms of movement um and you even said you've modified your yoga practice a little bit mm -hmm. so how would you describe that is it micro movements or you're focusing more on certain body parts or paying more attention to different muscles engaging or you know what what does that look like and feel like at this point it feels a little bit like being a rebel in class yeah. um, because I will modify um, in the standing poses in particular all of the standard alignment points yeah so I do not line up you know heel to heel or arch to heel and warrior two 
-hmm. I shorten my stance mm -hmm. and I move my front leg, the one that's bent in Warrior Two, way forward. Um, not to the end of the mat, but to, um, so how do, can I describe it? So um, if I'm facing the long side of my mat, yep. instead of having my feet equidistant from that long side, I move mm -hmm. the front foot towards that side. Okay. So way kind of in front. Yes, yeah. Because that reduces, from a mechanical perspective, it reduces the amount of external rotation. Yes. And right now, the combination of flexion and external rotation of my hip yeah. is what triggers pain. Right, okay. Mm -hmm. So I don't avoid the movement, I just move in my pain-free range. Yeah. So my pose looks completely different than what anybody else is doing in the room. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. Right. Yeah. Well, and what I love about that as well, one of the things I learned from you is that there, there is no well, I don't know if you can say there's no right or wrong way of doing a pose, but it's more of there are a variety of ways of doing the exact same pose. Because mm -hmm. I remember one of the questions I asked in the 200-hour training was, you know, for example, if we're in Warrior One, why some teachers say arms up and other teachers would say hands behind your back or why would we fold a little bit here? And and I, I recall you saying there these are all just variety ways of moving and mm -hmm. you don't want to be stuck in one way of moving mm -hmm. even if it's a beautiful practice if it's always the exact same you're actually doing yourself a disservice actually yes mm -hmm. and the focus on very specific um, alignments may in fact be more injurious mm. than giving yourself permission to mix it up yeah and what why is that because if we only ever move in one direction, we're only ever going to be good at moving in that one direction, mm -hmm. which means the tissues that allow me, or all of us, not just me, but all of us to move in different directions are not as resilient. Mm -hmm. Right. So actually mixing it up and doing different things builds resilience. Right. And not just in your body. Yes. In your brain too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that, I guess that brings me into this conversation around balance. Um, diversity and movement, of course, is one way of, of cultivating balance in your mind and body. Mm -hmm. um, what, what comes to mind for you when you think about you know, whether it's your relationship with balance or how you practice balance? Um, even the word balance in general is such a loaded word that mm -hmm. gets thrown around and can mean so many different things. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean to you? Mm. There are so many different leaping off points right. for, as you said, for that word itself. Yeah. Um, balance as a, as a way of finding balance in my life mm -hmm. might be a good starting point. Right. Yeah. And um, for me, um, it's the practices I do to feel like I am my best self. Mm -hmm. So that I feel um, some contentment within me and that I move out into the world and offer the, the best of me to the world. Mm -hmm. And I quickly know when I'm out of balance mm -hmm. because I will have some critical self-talk mm -hmm. and I may not be as empathetic as I move around and interact yeah. And with the world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What What are your practices of balance? If you're if you're really taking care of yourself on a daily basis, what What does that look like? How do you cultivate the balance you desire? 
I am a longtime meditator. Yeah. So my morning starts with, well, it starts with coffee if I'm being truthful. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> coffee first. Coffee first. And then sit down with your coffee? No. Okay. I, actually, I read um, my news feed first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, just is like, okay, here we are, world, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I sit down and I meditate. Okay. Do you have a length of time that you commit to? Um, generally 20 minutes. 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. And what, is there a form of meditation that you stick with? Is it the same every day? Does it change? Um, I would say that it is, it's mindfulness. Um, so probably in the Vipassana tradition. Mm-hmm. Okay, so meaning once you sit down, you're just connecting with your breath and paying attention to your breath. Paying attention to my breath, paying attention to, uh, well, being wide open and spacious and paying attention to sounds, light, temperature, simply being observant. Yes, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And trying my darndest not to clutter up my meditation with thoughts that are distracting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah so being present yes yeah is there movement with your meditation or is that stillness it's stillness okay Mm -hmm. all right so coffee meditate mindfulness Mm -hmm. then what um uh, journaling yes okay and what's your process for journaling in the morning um review the day before Mm -hmm. um any big things that i any take home or big lessons mm-hmm. from from my day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what I'm thankful for. So some time to express gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, anything perhaps that I've read or listened to that um, have sparked my curiosity or um, lit something up inside me. Mm-hmm. And um, and then just a few notes about where I want to go from there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. And then what? And then what? Breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> but then I'm hungry. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, breakfast and then cracking open my day timer and starting to plan my day. Great. Yeah. yeah. And so when it comes to your um, self-led movement practice, mm-hmm. is this something that you kind of schedule for yourself throughout the day? Is there like a, a pocket of time, like at 1 p.m., this is when I move, mm-hmm. or do you find that it's weaved throughout the day? Or is it different every day? It's different every day because my schedule's not the same every day. Right, yeah. Um, um, it depends on the day. And I do have certain classes that I try to schedule in consistently. Mm-hmm. So I do a, a Monday morning yoga class and... Uh, um, I, right now I'm doing um, Pilates reformers cla- reformer classes mm. uh, that um, feel like they strengthen the tissues that um, are feeling tight and tired because of my hip injury yeah. without pushing me into a range of motion that creates pain. Right. So yeah. it feels really good right now. Yeah. So um, I do that at least twice a week, if not four times a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and then... Um, Maybe I'll do a yin practice or a restorative practice at home yeah. and um, and also getting outside. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Walking is wonderful. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds very balanced in itself as well. Um, the other balance piece that just came up for me is the within the body, 
the importance of uh, the balance between strength and flexibility. Hmm. How how do you ensure that you're keeping that balance in check in your body? I really try not to go to end range when I'm um, doing uh, yoga or Pilates or any other activity. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, I'm going to sidetrack, is that okay? Yes. <laughs> Permission granted. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things I researched when I was in the yoga biomechanics um, advanced training yeah. with, with Jules was hypermobility. Mm-hmm. And hypermobility can look a whole lot of different ways. And one of the ways that it sometimes gets evaluated is um, through this scale uh, where they look at certain joints and see how much mobility you have. Um, And it connects in with uh, um, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Mm. And it's a a connective tissue, a collagen um, um, disorder. Yeah. And, um, and, Stability is a I I'm I'm somewhere on that spectrum. Mm. So there's a scale where they I don't know if they use it anymore, but um, on the the old scale I'm a seven out of nine. Okay. So I've got a little bit too much mobility in my joints, yeah. and it's really really easy for me to hang out in that. Right. Yeah. So my practice, even though I love a nice deep stretch, mm-hmm. I try and focus more on strength. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because mobility, flexibility is not something that you need to work on. I need to be, so true mobility yeah. is a balance between um, strength and flexibility. Right. And true mobility is um, is more about how well you move than how far you move. Mm. So it's about how you can in my interpretation, about how you can control your range of motion. Mm, okay. So one of the things that um, comes up for me now is the this idea to to not move into your full range of motion. I'm just um, a full range of movement. I'm, I know as a teacher myself, uh, often students do push themselves into their full range, even when mm-hmm. prompted to not do it because mm-hmm. they're looking for more sensation. Mm-hmm. As if more sensation means there's more benefit, mm-hmm. um, but then also recognizing there's different types of sensation. So sensation from extreme movement and your nervous system being activated is different than not going into your full range of motion mm-hmm. and and being aware of sensation that's a little more subtle. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm, I'm I'm curious to hear what or how you would convince someone or even as a teacher of what you've said in class before to encourage people to not go for the most sensation or to maybe try to tune into the more subtle sensation and allow that to illuminate a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are some things that really support people from your experience to, to be more curious about not going to the extremes? Mm-hmm. Well, there are a number of things that I, I experiment with yeah. when I'm teaching and um, um, a recent thing that I've been experimenting with is this transition if you will from downward dog to a plank pose Mm -hmm. and um, it can be done where you just kind of slam your body into one position and then slam it back right and that's using momentum Mm -hmm. and it's kind of um, pushing your body 
forward and back mm -hmm. from those two positions. And what I've been playing with in my cueing is, can you make it a continuous movement? Going from down dog to plank and back to down dog without there actually being a stop. Yeah. Okay. Because then you have to control the movement. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's one way that I've been playing with it. I like that. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like a, a wave that's mm -hmm. constantly moving versus, mm -hmm. I don't know, a door slamming or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting. Even then, um, as a spin teacher, I... I, I'm way more into really slow tracks versus mm -hmm. like, here's a jog, now let's do a hit, here's another jog, and then a fast climb. Because um, the way that I relate to it is even in life when I'm keeping myself really busy or on the go, it's, it's actually a distraction from some deeper things that are going on beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. And so even in a spin class, if you do a lot of really slow, heavy tracks, you can't hide behind the fast movement, mm -hmm. right? There's there's so much more distraction and stimulation when we're moving fast. So it's, mm -hmm. it's easier to avoid what might be actually really uncomfortable, which means is really necessary, really needed to, mm -hmm. to sit with and be with. Mm -hmm. uh, so would you say that's similar with, with yoga, moving, moving slower, taking more time to be in each pose is an opportunity to find that sense of balance and control versus classes where maybe it's more of a, like a power flow where you're moving really quick? My bias is to move slow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and at the same time, I like going really fast on a bike. Right. So there's room for both. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's what your intention is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking about how much I really love to go fast on my bike <laughs> and um, and all the wonderful things that that entails. So, you know, it's exhilarating and my heart rate is elevated and my body, uh, my breath and my awareness are so focused mm -hmm. that I I really feel that I'm right there. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm totally present. Um, and presence is easy because without concentration there in that moment of riding really fast, especially if I'm going down the hill in spring mm -hmm. bank. Mm -hmm. um, um, and, I'm, and I really like it. <laughs> um, if I don't concentrate, I'm in the ditch. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a completely different experience for me from when I'm moving slowly and mindfully um, on my yoga mat. Mm -hmm. That is a different kind of focus uh, and um, equally exhilarating for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. In that um, there's a power in it that, that feels really supportive. Mm -hmm. um, I think it comes back to that mobility piece of being able to move with, with fluidity, with ease, with control, mm -hmm. and with intention. Yeah, I th you know, one of the things that I heard recently, and I can't remember where, but it was something along the lines of, you know, when we're looking at the different forms of movement and, and how people can kind of get into camps of, you know, just CrossFit or 
mm-hmm. you know, extreme running or just yoga or anything, you know, we can kind of get stuck in these different forms of movement. And when we look at, you know, the evolutionary perspective of, you know, potentially what a week would have looked like for our ancient ancestors where we got our system mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were a couple days where, you know, they had to go hard, whether it was mm-hmm. running from a predator or um, chasing after your next meal. And mm-hmm. and then there were times when it was a little more maybe playful or mm-hmm. expressive. Mm-hmm. And then going for walks, doing some gathering or looking around and, and to be able to think about movement as a lifestyle for us in this mm-hmm. day and age mm-hmm. and how it's important to get your heart rate up those mm-hmm. times when you are being chased or you're having to chase someone so do mm-hmm. the extreme things occasionally but if you did that every single day then you're doing yourself a disservice so taking days where it is micro movements or um, conscious stillness or just mindful movement or going out for a walk as just as important as the half hour or hour of, of really getting your heart rate up or three hours of a long bike ride. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I think mm-hmm. that's a cool way of looking at it as the spectrum of movement mm-hmm. from passive to active mm-hmm. and how we need all of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is one of the gems that um, I got from studying with Katie Bowman. Yeah. And uh, it was probably from you then that I heard this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> probably. <laughs> Well, what is, uh, what's really fascinating you right now when it comes to the body or your body? Like, what are you, what's blowing your mind right now? Collagen. Ooh, tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) I know, how specific can I get? Like, these little proteins in your body. (laughs) Yeah, go there. Let's hear it. Um... The reason I I landed on that Mm -hmm. is because it has so much to do, this little foreshadowing of what we'll be talking about uh, um, in the the training program that you're doing with me, Um, is that collagen um, is really important in the practice of yoga Mm -hmm. uh, and and perhaps misunderstood. Hmm. And so, I mean, collagen is part of your connective tissue, and um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of where I want to go with this. There's so <laughs> many directions. Yeah. I'm fascinated by it because one of the things that I've learned recently is that our collagen, our connective tissue, um, responds to how we move and load our bodies. Mm-hmm. And um, that uh, it's like muscle, just a little slower in some ways, in that if you don't use it, it Mm -hmm. ceases to be what it needs to be. So Mm -hmm. collagen in our bodies, in our connective tissue, um, is slightly different, whether it's um, um, a ligament, a tendon, or cartilage, Mm -hmm. for example. And... um, so the big takeaway, and maybe it's just one sentence, is that how we move or not move teaches the collagen how to be. Hmm. So by not moving, for example, and not loading um, my knee, for example, mm-hmm. not doing weight bearing, the cartilage in my knee isn't as robust. Yeah. Okay. Because that cartilage needs load. It needs actually. It needs compression as well. Mm -hmm. and that um, our ligaments um, they need movement so that 
uh, the fibers get reinforced because unless there's load, we'll come back to the knee again, in different directions, those fibers will not remain robust. Mm -hmm. And then for tendons, the same thing, unless we actually contract our muscles and move, the tendons will not be as robust. Right. That's what I'm fascinated with right now. Mm. And it's like, okay, well, how can I be more robust? Yeah. What can I do? And knowing that, you know, our body is complex and there's collagen all over the place. Mm -hmm. Are you looking at like every single body part and how you can create load? to make sure that your collagen is receiving the message that it needs to be strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yoga is really good for that because of the variety of movements, mm -hmm. but it's not the be all and end all. There are certain movements that, um, that are missing. Um, so, like well, for example, think of doing a sun salutation and you go from down dog to plank to chaturanga. Mm -hmm. Okay, just those three movements. They're all pushing movements. Yeah. When's the last time you pulled something in a yoga class? Like mm, a chin-up bar would right. allow you to pull up. So it's a different um, way of thinking about it. It's like, where are my movement vitamins coming from? I'm thinking the last time I... So in a forward fold, in Uttanasana, if you can grab onto your toes... Mm -hmm. or onto the backs of your heels mm -hmm. and then it's a equal force of pull up mm -hmm. and compress down mm -hmm. but that's all i can think about when it comes to pulling i don't know mm -hmm. if i've pulled but we mo so we mostly push mostly push yeah yeah for sure yeah okay and um and i realized that uh, this was years ago i had a um a friend who was trying to show me how to do some weightlifting, right and mm -hmm. i was like trying to like do a pull down is really hard pull up or well no like well like a i call oh, it yeah yes, a lat yes. pull down Got maybe it, yeah. yeah um can't do it mm. <laughs> because all i knew how to do was push right. forward yeah um so you could do like 50 push-ups no problem but try to pull a bar down no way <laughs> <laughs> exactly okay. exactly so that's just like a like prob probably not the grass baited greatest example but an example yeah, yeah that makes sense the pushing and the pulling is another way to ensure that you're creating balance in your body mm -hmm. so i'm thinking too why um pilates or legree mm -hmm. which is another form of pilates would be mm -hmm. really great there is more of that um dynamic movement to add into mm -hmm. the practice and mm -hmm. then even doing uh like yoga sculpt variations with with bands and with weights mm -hmm. um that makes a little bit more sense now as well mm -hmm. to, to look at that as it's actually filling a gap that's mm -hmm traditional yoga might have left mm -hmm. hmm. but just slow movement yoga sculpt <laughs> <laughs> I've never taken a sculpt class really? tell me about it yeah well it's just it's um dynamic movement within the yoga template so we still it still feels and sounds like yoga but there's going to be potentially more high tempo music Okay. You could be moving to the beat of the music occasionally or moving with a, a quicker breath, um, repetitions of the same movement. So, for example, you could be in um, uh, crescent lunge or alanasana, and rather than just holding it, it could mm -hmm. be knee drop. So as you exhale, drop your knee, inhale, lift your knee, exhale, drop your knee, inhale, lift your knee. Do that eight or 16 times. Okay. And then pick up weights still in your, your lunge and start doing movements Um raising your arms, lifting overhead, whatever it is. So it's uh, moving into a yoga posture mm -hmm. and then getting really dynamic and repetitious with load, weights, mm -hmm. and bands 
to mm-hmm. create a little bit more tension as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, I like it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. And based on the class that I taught this morning, it sounds like I'm not doing anything that's very different from that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just without bands and weights? Yeah. Well, I had the group um, squeeze a block between their hands and right. take their arms up overhead. And okay. yeah. um, and I think yesterday they did dips like you were talking about yeah, holding okay. the block. So I think we're on the same wavelength. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. You're very mm-hmm. dynamic in the way that you teach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when it comes to understanding movement science, um, what are some things that come to mind in, in terms of what might be educational for people listening to this of simple things you could be doing on a daily basis to um, whether it's cultivate more balance in the different ways you're moving. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any like key things that you, you've you learned or that you suggest to people as these are simple things you can do on a daily basis to bring more healthy movement into your life? Mm-hmm. I think most of my daily movement things I learned um, by studying with Katie Bowman. Yeah. And, uh, um, and uh, her she has a phrase that's like, stack your day. <laughs> stack your day. And um, and so what that means to me is that I'm trying to incorporate different things um, at the same time. So um, I just posted uh, in social media about mm-hmm. about stacking my day by putting on toe spreaders and sitting on the floor and doing my work, mm. so that I'm getting you know a little bit of um, healthy stretch in my feet. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting on the floor, which is more movement variety. When we sit on the floor instead of a chair, we tend to fidget and move a little more. Yes. That's movement in your day. Yes. And it helps keep my mind a little more alert because I'm shifting and moving. Yeah. Rather than being in a comfy chair and um, everything just kind of settles, right? Because I feel supported by the cushy furniture. Right. Well, even feeling into my chair right now, like... This is this was a big thing that I learned from you was get off your furniture, mm-hmm. sit on the floor, and I mm-hmm. live by that. Mm-hmm. And so now when I sit in a chair, like, you know, you can see me. Obviously, other people can't, but my shoulders are just curled forward, mm-hmm. and I'm just melting into this chair right mm-hmm. now. And my body's getting signals that I'm probably at a little bit of a lower vibration mm-hmm. versus if I were sitting on the floor or if I was consciously correcting my posture which already feels a lot better mm-hmm. um but i'm one of the things i'm curious about with that actually is when it comes to pelvic health mm-hmm. what what is it about sitting on the floor in terms of even the balance or the health of the pelvis is that something that that you've thought about or that you could speak to and, and into why sitting on the floor might be better even for the pelvis I think it's better for your hips in that you are moving them around. Okay, Remember yeah. I said the cartilage likes to be squished. Right. Yeah. 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 So you're squishing it in different positions. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'm kneeling, sometimes I'm sitting cross-legged, sometimes my legs are out in front. Um, and I throw in a stretch Yeah. when I start to feel a little achy and stiff. Like right. You, you yeah. Know, to get into a more comfortable position. Which you might not notice if you were just relaxed into a cushy chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Because there's, well, you're less active when you're sitting in a cushy chair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So in terms of the pelvis, mm. um, 
No, are you thinking like like core pelvic floor, or are you thinking? No, I was thinking like the I guess including the hips, just the entire pelvis in general of mm-hmm. of why sitting on the floor. Um, I'm just thinking of like the um, different cultures where the older population are sitting on the floor and they're squatting and mm-hmm. and not, you know, we don't see um, the need for hip replacement uh, as much in those cultures. So there's something going on there about mm-hmm. being able to be mobile to sit down on the floor and get back up mm-hmm. um, that just looks different in, mm-hmm. in different cultures where mm-hmm. they're doing that. Mm-hmm. You are the sum total of how you move or don't move. Mm. So if you are always sitting in a chair, think of all the movement you are not getting in your hips. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because when we sit in a chair, there's usually hip flexion Mm -hmm. and maybe a little bit of internal or external rotation of the thigh bones in the hip socket. Right. When we sit on the floor, there's a huge range of movement or range, you know, possibility of positions that Mm -hmm. we're putting our hips in. Yeah. Yeah. And when we sit on the floor, we also have to hold ourselves up. Mm -hmm. So um, you just reminded me that in teacher training programs, one of the big challenges that the participants have is, you know, we go for a weekend and it's sitting on the floor for quite a bit of time. And that's the first time for many of them, uh, many participants in the program to spend that much time sitting on the floor since probably since they were kids. Right. Yeah. 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 So what do you, what do you notice in those situations now that you've, you've ran several trainings? Multiple. Yeah. Like, a lot of them. A lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, people adapt very quickly. Yeah. And that is, I mean, that's one of the big blessings is that we are really adaptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you tell your body how you want it to move, if it can do it, it will do it. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yes, the complaints go down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As people adapt. As yeah. people adapt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And then um, I, that same social media post, mm-hmm. uh, one of um, the graduates from 2018 responded on the post to say um, that, I, I don't think she has furniture anymore. She's on the floor all the time. Mm. <laughs> she remembered what it was like to start sitting on the floor. Yeah. She did a one month intensive, so it was five days oh, a week. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's extreme. I know mm-hmm. I did mine over both the trainings I've done with you so far were the um, longer, the longer ones, mm-hmm. the extensive ones. So mm-hmm. it was weekends occasionally, uh, but it yeah, it was a little bit uh, easier for me to adapt. Mm-hmm. But I'm this I'm the same way. Since learning that from you, I uh, I sit on the floor nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm moving around constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I rarely wear shoes. Um, I rarely wear a bra. I don't know if that was from you or <laughs> it might have been. <laughs> might have been from you. Uh, yeah, just any anything that feels restraining now on my mm-hmm. body. I'm just questioning it. Like, mm-hmm. why is this a thing? Mm-hmm. Why this is a cultural norm that I've just adopted because it's normal. Mm-hmm. But when I really stop and, and think about it, like I've gotten mm-hmm. rid of so many shoes that were too small, but I just loved them, and so I'd wear mm-hmm. them. And, mm-hmm. and so thinking of them as these are casts. Mm-hmm. that I'm restraining my feet. And mm-hmm. I remember the first time doing a yoga class um, maybe 10 years ago now. Uh, and I, I was in decent shape. I was an elite athlete. And I remember 
how painful it was for my feet to be in different positions. Not only mm -hmm. do I remember being in a warrior too, um, and, and knowing it was similar to the defense stance, a little bit different, but my body was quivering and my feet were aching. And I remember trying to do different balance positions and I just felt like my foot was one bone <laughs> that could not balance. It was mm -hmm. so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm curious to hear actually what you would suggest for, for people that um, maybe are, I don't want to say not further behind, but not, they haven't been moving as much. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of these things can actually feel quite uncomfortable, if not mm -hmm. painful. Mm -hmm. And so changing your relationship with pain is an important one to understand what's, what's good pain mm -hmm. in, you know, quotations, what's mm -hmm. bad pain. Um, but even this concept of, I was talking to a friend of, you know, if we think of baseline when it comes to physical and mental health, mm -hmm. you know, as a, as a coach, when I get a client who's, you know, maybe a little bit below baseline or pretty close to baseline, mm -hmm. man, my job is easy. Mm -hmm. Like I just, you know, we have delightful conversations. We, we talk about what, what practice needs to happen, what's working, what's not, and mm -hmm. they just flourish. Mm -hmm. And then when I have clients that are a little bit further below baseline mm -hmm. where it's, you know, it's deeper, more intimate work that excavating needs to be done and it needs mm -hmm. to be a much gentler and slower process to kind of get yourself to baseline before you can do the more expansive work. So when it comes to the body, for mm -hmm. people who, you know, are maybe in tiny shoes all day up on their heels and mm -hmm. moving from the chair at home to the chair in their office and, you know, in their car and, you know, just all these different containers and restraints and, mm -hmm. and casts mm -hmm. that we're in. Mm -hmm. How would you suggest people begin the process of, of balance and, and being in their body? Slowly. Slowly. <laughs> yeah. I could not get up from from this table right now yeah. and go out and run 10K. Mm -hmm. It would be a really unrealistic expectation. Yeah. I am not conditioned to do it. I could have at one time, but not now. Yeah. So I need to first adjust my expectations mm -hmm. and think about, okay, well, what's my goal? And is it achievable? Mm -hmm. And then what steps will get me there? And what little things can I celebrate so I can stay motivated? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, um, I'm working with some clients right now, and I hope they won't mind. I just share one little goal um, that, that um, they have some mobility challenges mm -hmm. and um, with uh, with my first meeting with them, I set a goal of, I would like to see you be able to walk from your bedroom to the kitchen without footwear on, wow. like in bare feet, okay. right? And, um, and I felt like I was going out on a limb saying that, and they totally, it's like, yeah, okay, I can do that. Mm. And they did it. Yeah. Right. So it was small and it was achievable. I wasn't asking them to go and run 10 kilometers. Right. Yes. I was asking yeah. them to do something that that they could feel successful at. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest piece. Small incremental changes that build on success so that you stay motivated. Yeah. Yeah. Because even when I'm a student in a class, um, and maybe it's because um, of being a student in a class, 
I really notice how um, easy it is to get discouraged. Mm-hmm. And uh, like looking around and no, just in just or... um, just from you know what the teacher says. Okay, can be really discouraging. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and and this is you know comes back to that. What's in my heart is empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, that sometimes that you know it can feel discouraging to know that I have a limitation. Mm-hmm. And to be, you know, the word I don't like, corrected, yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than um, an exploration or an inquiry into how can we make this work for you? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. As if the teacher has a, an idea of what the pose should look like. Mm-hmm. And because you're doing it in a way that does not match their mental model of what it should look like, mm-hmm. it almost becomes this... Uh, well, gap again of, mm-hmm. of what you're doing versus what they're expecting you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think, yeah, working with people is, is it's um, I think it's one of the most rewarding things. If, if I can approach it with that in mind, like small achievable goals. Yeah. Um, and small is relative too. For one person, this goal might seem really tiny and for another one, it might feel really huge. So having enough empathy to meet someone where they're at. Yeah, yeah. And to, um, yeah, to, to um, be encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't take the wind out of their sails. When, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know what that feels like. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not helpful. <laughs> no, in a world where I think many of us have so much negative self-talk anyway, yes, yes. we don't need to pile on. Yes, totally. Yeah, 100% mm-hmm. agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, how are we doing here? We're at an hour. Okay, so <laughs> I have one more question for you. And okay. this is not a question that I sent you beforehand. So okay. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, what is your experience with cannabis? Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In my youth? In general, yeah. So uh, you have experienced it? I You've... have experienced yeah. cannabis. And um, at a very young age, in fact. How young? 11. Whoa. <laughs> Can you tell me about this? <laughs> Um, it was just part of, uh, of where I was living at the time. Um, and I was just exposed to it and, um, and I committed myself to it. (laughs) At 11. At 11. What, what did that look like? Were you, is this, was this a daily ingesting? Mm, School days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Like before going to school? No, at school. At school mm-hmm. with friends, mm-hmm. smoking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, our high school had a smoking lounge and a toking lounge. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> the toking lounge was unofficial. Okay. <laughs> wow. So, how long did this last for you? Um. You know, when I was getting into uh, probably. My last, um, 
my last two years of high school, I started, I, ha I think I had an epiphany where I woke up one day, I was at a party, everybody was wasted and people were doing stupid things. Mm -hmm. And I went, is this what my life is gonna look like? Mm -hmm. And I went, no, I want some more. So I actually, I want some more out of life. Right. Um, and um, I actually went and talked to a guidance counselor at school mm -hmm. and um, um, through a few meetings, he actually gave me the motivation I needed to um, take my studies a little more seriously mm -hmm. and graduate and go to and apply for a program and go to university. Wow! And that was not my intention. Okay. Yeah, um, mm. that's not where I thought my life was going. So you did a full one eighty at that point. Yeah, it's not yeah. like I never um, smoked pot after that. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, in university, I was really fond of hash. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so that was, you know, um, and it probably did not help my um, academic standing at all, mm -hmm. but it was part of my lifestyle. Yeah. And, um, and then for a long time, I never touched um, any kind of cannabis whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And a few years ago, um, when the medical clinics started popping up in yep. Calgary, and a friend of mine was, um, she actually recommended it to me for some pain relief. Mm. Um, I, um, I've had migraine headaches since I was very, very young. And, and of course, I've got some injuries and right. and pain yeah. um, and I also have anxiety and mm. so um, in the last couple of years I've uh, I've tried CBD mm. as a way to help manage those symptoms and how's that going um, I've actually stopped Stop taking uh, it. yeah yeah, okay. yeah. Um, just not a significant difference to warrant the expense to yeah. be blunt yeah okay. yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. So that's my journey through cannabis. Interesting. Mm. I surprised you, didn't I? Uh, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I was not sure what was going to come up from that question. Mm -hmm. So that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. uh, so the reason why I bring that up is one of, um, so my word for 2020 is gentle. Mm -hmm. I'm really good at effort and fire and discipline. And, mm -hmm. um, and I'm really, really leaning into this more feminine energy of don't force mm -hmm. let things evolve and be organic and and um similar to this anxiety um piece for it, it <laughs> that was your phone <laughs> yeah looking like whose phone was that yeah, that was mine um so similar to the anxiety piece that you have experienced mm -hmm. um i also have experienced a lot of that um, and some of it is just from just overthinking I, you know, I think that's what most anxiety is overthinking overanalyzing um, just the chaos in the mind and I you know I was diagnosed with ADHD at a, uh, in my adolescence and um, have been playing with different ways to um, work with that in you know various modalities of kind of playing with it and mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I think it's really important to to understand cannabis as um, recreational, but also as plant medicine, mm -hmm. and that anything you can do, you can overdo or you can underdo. Mm -hmm. And you know, starting at eleven, 
extreme. <laughs> yes. Um, so, <laughs> you know, the, the unique journey that we each have with it is, it's re- I find it really fascinating in how it shapes our perception and our stories mm-hmm. around it. And, um, and because it is legal now, um, at least in Canada and, and many other places, I, I'm just really, really fascinated with having conversations with people around it mm-hmm. to talk about the different strains and um, when we can use it in a way that's really, really powerful and healing or even mm-hmm. to support creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also how we can use it and anything to avoid and to numb. Mm-hmm. And I know I've used cannabis for that mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. But I've also experienced it as a beautiful, expansive, creative um, ingestion as well. And mm-hmm. and so my side project with the ABCs to live your dope life is this, um, I've been calling it a sister podcast of the ZYX to live your, your um, dope life. And the concept with this one is that the people that I'm interviewing on the ABCs, I open up the conversation to see if you would be interested and open to setting up another conversation where we both ingest cannabis together (laughs) and then we record a conversation. Now, (laughs) why I mentioned my word is gentle is because Mm -hmm. initially when I started this podcast, it was just this is a thing and this is the other part and Mm -hmm. I'm doing it and Mm -hmm. I recognized, well maybe this is not needed or wanted. Mm-hmm. And so every conversation I've had so far, people have been pretty open to it because mm-hmm. this is not about let's get blasted and mm-hmm. then embarrass ourselves and record mm-hmm. a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's about maybe even for you and I, it, it would be ingest CBD mm-hmm. and then to be able to have a conversation and just notice if there's an energetic shift and be able to talk through our experience a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can we can go in different directions, but mm-hmm. I'm... I just want to put that out there to see if okay. that's something you'd be open to. Okay. I don't think Indica would work for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a very boring podcast. It would be. <laughs> I'd be the only one talking. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, how would that unfold? Yes. So uh, basically within the next couple of months, um, we would set a date where we can um, – still meet up sometime somewhere outside this space Mm -hmm. and we decide if we're going to have an edible or if it's tincture or something Mm -hmm. that we smoke um we do that together Mm -hmm. and then we come up here Mm -hmm. we press record and we see what happens excellent Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm open to it amazing yeah and i think it'd be really neat too to even start with the the foundation of the same questions Mm -hmm. and to just see how the conversation is different or the same Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I'm just really fascinated with, with cannabis and I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so intrigued and inspired that everyone I've talked to have, have been open to having this experience with me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I just kind of dropped a, oh yeah, I started smoking pot when I was 11. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, yeah. that's, yeah, that's the story though. That's, it is the story and there's a lot behind it yeah, absolutely well, I, I know you yeah you've shared a little bit more about your upbringing mm-hmm. me, so I know it was not easy mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so maybe that's something we can get into a little more in the next conversation sure yes. yeah 
Well, is there anything, um, I, I do want to give you an opportunity to, you know, plug yourself of where <laughs> we can find you, what trainings are coming up, where you're mm-hmm. teaching, um, mm-hmm. if there's any courses you're offering online that people can, can find. Um, so I'll let you segue into that, but um, if there's anything else before that that you, you want to share, um, whether it's something that you wanted to share in our conversation that we didn't get to or mm-hmm. anything that's coming up now that uh, mm-hmm. just to give you the opportunity to feel complete in this conversation. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's one one piece of balance yeah. that is um, really important to me mm-hmm. and um, it's connection. Mm-hmm. It's connection with my family and uh, with my friends mm-hmm. and my community and uh, it's about nourishing and building really strong bonds with people mm-hmm. so that um, there can be uh, that the, these relationships are meaningful um, that we support one another mm-hmm. and um, um, and um, relationships in which um, there's vulnerability and um, accountability mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah. So those those relationships in my life um, are super valuable to uh, balance for me. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It it what it reminds me of the the saying that um, something along the lines of like no one person can be everything mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a big one for me in in my relationship. I've been with my partner for oh god. 13, 14 years, mm-hmm. um, and to acknowledge that it's really, really important to have other important people in my life mm-hmm. and to stop putting so much pressure on him mm-hmm. as if he needs to be my everything and mm-hmm. the person I go to all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, even last night, watching a basketball game, and he's so into it and, like, getting so revved up and, mm-hmm. and so focused on it, and mm-hmm. in the middle of him, like, talking about basketball... I said, can I explain quantum entanglement to you? (laughs) And he looked at me and was furious. (laughs) And I I just kind of, you know, and he was like, he was really annoyed. He's like, Mm -hmm. I'm really bothered that you're bringing this up again. This is not the first time that I've said this. And and I just kind of laughed. And to me after it was like, right. He's mm-hmm. not my quantum entanglement person. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> I have other people in my life for that, mm-hmm. and I uh, it's important to honor him for who he is and our relationship, and not try to force him into every other peg or hole that mm-hmm. I need to feel complete. So mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm really glad that you mm-hmm. brought that up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know our our husbands are, are very similar in mm. in many ways. Um, <laughs> I love that we've got we've got a lot in common. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My husband is super supportive, and yeah. uh, um, and for me to place the responsibility of the entirety of my balance and wellness on his shoulders would be unfair. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. We need our tribe. Mm-hmm. We do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, tell us all about where we can find you and what's what's coming up in the world of Nora Maskey in the next few months. Um, well, this Saturday, um, I'm starting uh, with you. I'm so excited. Yes, me too. Um, a 60-hour um, 
mentorship program for certified uh, yoga teachers and movement specialists. Yes. So it doesn't isn't necessarily just yoga teachers. And uh, we're going to dive into um, some pieces of movement science, like looking at um, some of the things that we talked about today. Mm-hmm and um, things like pain science, uh, the model of use it or lose it, if you will, mm-hmm. and, um, and you know, what is mobility? What is flexibility? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and how we as teachers can be of service to our students by um, shifting the par- paradigm a little bit. Mm-hmm. So a little myth busting, mm-hmm. a little bit of curiosity about where these myths came from and how um, they serve or don't serve us and um, and uh, people in our community. Yeah. People come to our classes. Yeah, great. So that's coming up. And then um, I'm also a critical alignment teacher. And what I wanted to do, what I am doing, not just wanted to, I'm doing it, <laughs> um, is I'm offering a, a critical alignment fundamentals with the eye, the same thing is that, you know, even within that modality of uh, critical alignment yoga therapy, um, you know, when I went through the program, I was taught this is the way you do the exercises. Then I got out there and started teaching it and realized that people are really unique and that what works for one person doesn't work for another. How can I adapt those? through seeing what's going on with people and then offering them choices so that they can get the benefits of this um, modality, Mm -hmm. which is uh, really valuable, um, um, and actually feel like it's serving them. It's not creating pain and strain in their bodies, it's creating mobility and resilience. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And then I'm following that up with a whole bunch of the restorative exercise. So another 30 hour um, continuing education program Mm. um, that focuses on all those things that we talked about, like um, um, the floor sitting and uh, minimal footwear and the the restorative exercises that come out of the nutritious movement um, program that I took with Katie Bowman. Amazing. And then actually starting in a month is another round of um, the 200 hour foundations yoga teacher training oh great got a new group starting mm. um, and do you still have space in that one if anybody we, else wants yeah to. we have three spots left okay yeah great. yeah mm-hmm. um and another program another like the condensed teacher training program in the summer yes and my year might include some travel not yeah. sure yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I might be in India. <laughs> we'll see. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I'm I'm feeling like in 2020 I really want to step into um, sharing what I love and looking for opportunities to collaborate with people mm-hmm. and um, uh, share. Yeah, just sharing what I love. Yeah. And, I, and I'm teaching classes at uh, Journey Yoga, which is in Bridgeland in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the teacher trainings are running out of as well. Right, okay. And I'm really, really enjoying um, working privately uh, as a yoga teacher and movement coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do that out of my house and I also travel to clients who 
um, prefer working out of their homes. Mm, so, wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. And uh, do you want to spell your your website and your social media? Sure. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the details I often forget. Right. That's what I'm um, here for. <laughs> thank you. Um, my website is noramaskiyoga.com. Mm-hmm. And that's N-O-R-A-M-A-S-K-E-Y-Y-O-G-A.com. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And the teacher training school that I'm a co-director of mm-hmm. is Inspired Yoga institute.com mm-hmm. you can find me on instagram at nora maskey mm-hmm. and you can find me on facebook at nora maskey yes, yeah. <laughs> keeping it as simple as i can yes that's great my in my website address um the double y throws people off oh yeah because it's maskey and then yoga right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> tricky <laughs> tricky yeah yes <laughs> awesome thank you thank you uh, this is a blast i'm so glad that you were open to sitting down with me and um yeah working through the nerves of this being your first podcast and yeah. i'm sure it will not be your last well i think we have a date for some yeah, there uh, will at least be one more <laughs> <laughs> that'll be fun yes i'm looking forward to it yeah me too all right okay well, that's it and we're off thank you Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on social media at Dopamine, that's D-O-P-E-A-M-E, or on my website under that same title, dopamine.com. Please subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it, and do not hesitate to reach out if you have questions or comments. I would love to hear what you want to learn more about. So until next time, love big and play big. Peace.